Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome and good evening. It's so honored to have everyone in the house of God tonight to praise and to magnify the Lord with us. Amen. Our online congregation, we welcome you. We welcome everyone tonight. Amen. To our Bible study. Amen. I pray to hope we're trying our best to stay warm. I'm sure I am. But, um, you know, we're in the season for the cold weather, so dress warm. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask you to pray with us tonight as we pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon our Bible study tonight that it will continue to use the man of God as he come to minister us, that his uh, anointing will be upon him um, and that, you know, will touch our body. If there's someone that has a special request tonight, you can raise your hand. Amen. You got a couple of hands. You got some hands all over the sanctuary. Just look all over. You got a few hands. Help me pray tonight that the Lord will touch every hand that raised tonight and that he will have his way in our midst tonight. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God, for giving us another privilege and opportunity to be in your presence, Lord God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy and at your right hand, there are pledges forevermore. Father God, we ask you to forgive us for every sins that we have committed in your sight, knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all filthiness, Lord God. Purge us, Lord God. Wash us and help us to be whiter than snow. Creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, Lord. We ask you, Lord God, cast us not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us, Lord God. We need you. If there is ever a time we need you, we surely need you now. We need you in the morning, in the noontime. We need you in the evening, oh God. We need you every second of the day, Lord God. We truly can't do without you, Lord God. We're so glad, oh God, that you came to save us from our sins, oh God. You died so that we can have life and have it more abundantly, Lord God. Father God, we adore you tonight. We worship you. Oh God, for every person that raised their hand tonight, Lord God. Whatever their needs are, Lord God. If it's, oh God, physical, oh God. We ask you to touch them, Lord God, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, Lord God. If it's financially, Lord God. We ask you to open up doors and make ways like never before, Lord God. Father God, whatever it is, Lord God, emotionally, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll strengthen and keep us, Lord God. Help us to be... Oh God, what you want us to be in the time and the hour that we're living in tonight. We ask you, Lord God, that you will touch our online congregation tonight. Oh God, those who have a prayer request and those who have not, likewise, that you will touch them. Oh God, that you'll continue to be with them, Lord God. We ask you anointing upon the man of God as he come tonight, that you will anoint him. Touch his lips of clay, Lord God, that as he minister, as he teaches, oh God, your hands will be upon him, Lord God, and you will direct him like never before, Lord God. Touch, oh God, all of us that is here tonight. Open our minds, our understanding, oh God, so that we can able to return, retain the words that gone forth tonight or are going forth tonight. We ask you, Lord God, that you move in our midst 
like never before, individually and collectively, Lord God. Those that are not here, Lord God. Those that are traveling, Lord God, we ask you to keep them and guide them. Father God, we ask you to continue to send our souls from the east, the west, the north, and the south, Lord God. Truly, God, we are here to lift up your name, to adore you. Father God, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for keeping us, Lord God. We thank you for making ways when there seems to be no way. For hoping the doors, oh God, that only you alone can, Lord God. Continue to bless this facility, Lord God. Continue to send our souls from the east, west, north, and south, Lord God. Continue to, oh God, help us, Lord God, to be what you want us to be. Oh God, for this community, Lord God, that will be examples, that will be the leaders that you call us to be. We ask you to have your way among us tonight. Father God, it's not our will, Lord God, but thy will be done. Oh God, whatever will be said and done tonight, Lord God, let it be done to the glory and to the honor of your name. Lord God, we give you glory and we give you honor. We thank you in advance for what you're about to do, Lord God. We know you're great and greatly to be praised. Lord God, we adore you. We acknowledge you. We worship you, Lord God, because you're great and greatly to be praised. Let your will be done, Lord God, for we know it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by your spirit. Thus said the Lord, Lord God, we come at the service in your hands tonight, Lord God, and ask you to move upon us like never before. Have your way tonight, Lord God. Bless every family, every home, Lord God. Be with us and keep us, O oh God, as we continue to worship you in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray. And can we just give the Lord a round of applause tonight? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. God is great and greatly to be praised. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Amen. We're approaching the big day. And so many things are going on. So many people are busy doing different things. But we thank God for him allowing us uh, the ability to be a blessing to others. Amen. And so we thank God for that. He's certainly given us the health and the strength jobs, all that we need to do what we need to do. I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, they were saying how, you know, they feel like sometimes they're just barely making it. And the person responded to them by saying, are you making it? (laughs) They said, yeah, I'm making it. You know, a lot of times um, we want it to be abundance, um, and we want to make sure it's all, you know, enough or more than enough and sometimes God is you know trying to get us to rely more on him and to rely more on God it means you won't have abundance it it means that you're going to have to trust him every day every week every month every year and so um, sometimes you know you'll get your breakthrough you will um, um, you know God will you know, provide and supply what you need, but sometimes you have to take us through the process of depending on Him. And um, sometimes that's what depending on Him looks like. You're wondering, why am I just barely making it? And God is saying, you got food on the table? You got gas in the car? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You got a job? All right, well, you're going to be all right. Just give me some time here. Let me take you through the process that I need to take you through. So, it's God's way of how he does things. We don't always know how he does it, why he does it, but we know 
that if we are children of God and we trust God, then we know God wants what's best for us, right? Yeah, I always say we don't like to, we like to quote the scripture, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And when we're going through a rough patch, we says, we don't want to remember that scripture for us. <laughs> we don't want to remember that scripture for us. We only want to remember it from when others are going through. We can quote it to others to say, hey, you know, all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. And we like to tell people that. And when we're going through, we're like, oh. And we forget to quote that same scripture to ourselves. Uh, but God is able to. Uh, supply our needs according to his riches in glory. Well, we are on our final lessons of the uh, Beatitudes. I told you I would try to um, combine both um, tonight and finish up tonight. And so we're going to finish up the Beatitudes tonight. I hope it's been a blessing. I hope it has helped us. Um, it, 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 it required these things, you know, sometimes, you know, um, learning the word of God requires slow reads. Learning the word of God requires slow reads and it, and it requires us digging into the word of God. And that's why the scripture says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we have to dig in the word of God sometimes and um, take our time. But you know what? Once you learn it and you know it, you learn it and you know it. And so now you move forward. And so when you hear that text, you can relate to it a whole lot because you have studied it. Uh, oftentimes as Christians, we read through the scripture and we, we grab, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit, Right? We read the word of God and we grab the low-hanging fruit and we run with it. But there was so much more than just the low-hanging fruit that God wanted to share with us in the word. So um, I believe that, um, you know, we've dug into the Beatitudes and, and um, I believe God has helped us. And so we're going to read it again in Matthew chapter 5. We'll begin in verse number 1, um, like we have done for so long. And um, we're going to get into it. Today is our eighth week, I believe, of the Beatitudes. Eighth or seventh? Seven or eight? Seven? Okay. Yes, seven, because eight Beatitudes, and I'm going to do two in one. So this is our seventh week in the Beatitudes. So appreciate you hanging in there, sticking with it. And um, let's finish it up tonight. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, And seeing the multitudes... He went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
And tonight we're going to work with blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Father, we thank you for your word. It's already established and settled. And Lord, we're grateful to search the scriptures, to dig a little deeper into the word of God, to learn of you, to get understanding, revelation, and knowledge that we can grow and produce good fruit, that we can know you more intimately and be able to serve you because we know what you require of us. Teach us tonight, Lord, even the hidden things in the word of God that we may not have seen. Reveal to us those things that we need to know. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you'll touch all of our hearts, that our heart will be receptive that we will not reject or neglect the word that has come forth, Lord God, but that we will receive it and we will apply it in our life, Lord God. Allow me, Lord Jesus, to be in the flow of your spirit, that I will speak from a position that is spiritual, that I'm in tune with you and I'm hearing from you. Help us tonight, Lord God, that we will receive and be changed. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so we're going to talk about blessed are the peacemaker, first of all. We have been climbing the ladder of the Beatitudes and have come to the seventh rung of the ladder. And the seventh rung states, as we just mentioned, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. First thing I would like to say is peace is precious. Peace is precious. Peace runs deeper than the ceasefire between nations or some of the leaders in our world or just among people in general. Peace runs deeper than that. This peace that we're talking about here is eternal because people are not only at war with each other, but people are at war with God. <laughs> Hear me out. Since the garden, man has allowed sin to cause him to be at war with God. God has been reaching for us, but because of our sin, we have been resisting him. Wouldn't you call that war? Now, God can destroy us if he wants, so it's not a real fair, you know, like we have with each other. But it's still, God is reaching for us, and we are resisting God because of our sins. Because of our sins, we are not responding or submitting to God. And so that will be considered a little battle there. But because God is merciful and because God is gracious and God is loving and God is kind, he's still reaching for us even when we're saying, just leave me be. 
Because that's essentially what we're doing when we're walking in disobedience to the word of God. We're saying, leave me be. And here he is saying, but come on. You know I love you. Come on. You can do better if you will just trust me. And we're saying, leave me be. So that's the war. That's the, 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 the challenge that we have in our life that we're resisting God while God is reaching for us. Somebody say amen. God came from the safety and the peace of heaven to the battlefield called earth to bring peace to mankind. He realized, he knows that we are struggling and we are just living in turmoil. And he decided, I am going to go down to them because I am the one who will give them peace. And so I'm going to go down there and I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to bring peace to them. And so we have it here in Isaiah 9, verse 6. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We know Jesus Christ who is the Almighty God manifest as man while still being Almighty God is this child that would be born. And he certainly was born. He was born to bring salvation. He was born to bring peace. He was born to bring revelation. He was born to restore. He was born to deliver. And so here he comes to say, let me save my people. Let me deliver my people. But I also need to give them peace. And so he came into this world for so many reasons, and one of those reasons is to give us peace. When Mary laid him in the manger, the angel carrying his birth announcement to the shepherds cried, saying, And on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. See, it's coming all the way from Isaiah that this child would be born. And then we come here now in the New Testament in Luke, and here comes this child being born. Same thing in Isaiah was peace, and here we go again in Luke, it's peace. So he's telling us something, that he is coming to give us peace. We need peace. God wouldn't come to give us something that we did not need. So if God came to bring peace, it's because we need peace. Uh-huh. The greatest peace we will know during our days on earth is to be at peace with the Lord Jesus Christ who created us. Who one day will judge us. When we get to experience that peace, when we are born again and reconciled to right relationship with the Lord Jesus, we get to experience that peace when we are born again. When we're reconciled to God, when we live the life that he wants us to live, we get to experience that peace. 
Many people, quote unquote, that are Christians experience turmoil because you have not yet fully committed your ways to God. And so that battle within, that struggle within is giving you turmoil and you don't have peace and you're wondering why can we be Christians and still have these internal battles? And the answer is, we have not yet fully submitted to God. We long for peace, but many of us look for peace in the wrong places. We seek peace through more success. We seek peace through having more money. We seek peace in medication. We seek peace in the cannabis product. I'm going to say it nice now. We seek peace in alcohol, in drugs, in relationships. Some relationships, people have become so disillusioned and so just angry in their relationship because they have expectation for people to bring peace or to, 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 to do something for them that they have need of, which only God can do many of what we need. But we look to people to do what God is the one that can do. And so we get disillusioned and we get discouraged and we get upset because we're wanting people to provide for us what we only can get from God. Your spouse cannot give you peace. Your children cannot give you peace. Your money cannot give you peace. Your job promotion don't give you peace. We only get peace from the Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus. And so we're seeking peace in so many different areas. We're seeking peace from people, and when it doesn't happen, we just sink deeper and deeper because we put our expectation into things and people that they can't provide what we're expecting. In 2005... In an interview with 60 Minutes, after Tom Brady had won three Super Bowl rings before he was 30 years old, Brady said in this interview, I'm making more money than I ever thought I could play in football. He went on to say, with what I have, why do I still think there's something greater out there for me? Making millions. You and I will never see those kind of money that he made and still is making. You and I will never win a Super Bowl ring. Well, some of the young people might say, I don't know, Pastor, I'm planning to go to NFL. But for those of us that have passed our time, we will never win any Super Bowl rings to say I was the best at that. We will never see the paychecks that he saw. But even with all of that, he said... I still think there's something greater out there for me. He won more Super Bowl than any quarterback that ever lived. And he said, I still think there's more out there for me. Mm -hmm. The interviewer seemed a little puzzled. He asked Brady, what's the answer since you think there's Still probably more out there for you. Brady replied, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. He knew there was more out there, 
but he didn't know what the more was. Jesus came preaching peace, peace with God and peace with people. Peace with God is rather easy. Peace with people isn't so easy. Yet Jesus didn't call us to ignore people who stirs up trouble or who turn a blind eye to the things that are wrong. Jesus did not call us to get even or take revenge or make a scene. He called us to make peace. Listen to this one. Holiness or purity and peace goes together. I know you're agreeing, but I'm going to prove it to you. Hebrews 12 and 14. (laughs) This is some good stuff. It says, follow peace with all men. And holiness, purity, without which no man shall see the Lord. (laughs) Follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness and peace go together. Oh, help me, Jesus. And so some people, again, quote-unquote Christians, that are experiencing turmoil, hasn't fully submitted to God. That's what I said, right? So let's take it a little bit deeper. They haven't respected reverence, holiness, like they should. We keep thinking this holiness only has to do with just what we look like, our attire. And that's why I wish, I try to get this across whenever I can. But I will continue to as long as I can. We underestimate how much explanation or how much depth there is to God's word. And so when we read God's word or we hear God's word preached, we just like to take because we're lazy, the low-hanging fruit, and run with it, and we never stop to ask all of the necessary questions about the one statement God makes. And so if God says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which, what does that mean? We just leave it at just the low-hanging fruit, whatever that comes to our mind immediately when we read, we take that and run and we never stop to realize it's so much more than what we just took and run with. God is much deeper than the first thought that come to your mind. And so we do ourselves a disservice when we read God's word or we hear God's word and the first thing that comes to our mind, we take it and run and never stop to ask more questions and dig a little deeper in the Bible to find out all of as much of the meaning and purpose and reason for why God is saying this. When we read the scripture, do we say, God, why are you saying this? Holiness without which no man should see the Lord. If God is trying to tell us that if we're not holy, we shall not see the Lord, I want to know what that means. Those are two big, bold statements. Holiness 
if we are not holy, we don't see the Lord. First, I want to know what holiness is. And secondly, I want to know, what do you mean by I'm not going to see you? Those are big, bold statements, and those are not statements that you skip over. You know what you can skip over, even though you should, shouldn't? Behold, I come quickly in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. I can skip over that because all I got to do is just stay ready. Just stay ready, and whenever he decides to come, I'll be ready. So I can skip over that. That's something I'm like, okay, Lord, in the twinkling of an eye, okay, that's good. I mean, it's good to have that information. But at the same time, Lord, I just want to live ready. So when you're ready, I'm ready. But stuff like holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Oh, I can't just skip over that. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Because scholars... And preachers have this cliche or phrase that we use. Is this a heaven and hell issue or is it not? And so there's some things in the Bible, it helps your life to be better, profitable and all that stuff. But it's not a heaven and hell issue. And then there are things in the Bible that is a heaven and hell issue. What do you mean by that, preacher? There are things in the Bible, if it doesn't get obeyed, we're not going to heaven. And there's things in the Bible that, that, that if, if we're not good at it, if we, if we don't understand it, we still can go to heaven. I can still go to heaven if I don't understand pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, and mid-tribulation. I could read about it until I'm blue in the face. If I don't understand it, that's not stopping me from going to heaven. But if I don't have peace, if I'm not a peacemaker, if I'm not holy... I'm in trouble. We can't skip over those things that will cost us eternal life. You don't want to do that. So he says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Peace has a conjoined twin called purity. Where you find purity, holiness, you will find peace. Where you find peace, you will find purity slash holiness. It's interesting that in the list of the Beatitudes, right after, blessed are the pure in heart, holiness, purity, comes blessed are the peacemaker. God doesn't do anything just to do it. You and I might just throw some things together, but God don't throw anything together. Everything that you see in God's word, it's intentional. We never purchase peace at the cost of holiness or morality or truth. Peace is not just the absence of fighting. Peace is the presence of holiness. Hmm. Purity. The Jews in Jesus' day and even in our day today, they respected that. They respect that peace. They greet one another saying, Shalom. You go to Israel, you'll hear them all the time. Shalom. Probably in some of the Jewish areas in our 
in, in our different cities, you will hear them when they greet one another, they will say shalom. <laughs> Brian Norman, my buddy, um, he, he uses this a lot when we, get, when we connect. Shalom, my brother. Shalom doesn't just mean we will not fight anymore. It means may you be filled with all righteousness and goodness God can give. So yes, shalom is that the peace of God will be upon you, but it also extends to say, may you be filled with righteousness and goodness that God can give. So what are the essential elements for becoming a peacemaker? How can we make peace? Because if God has called us to be peacemakers, how are we going to make peace? Well, open up your ears. First, we should seek God's peace in our life first. We cannot be peacemakers if God's peace is not in our life. We cannot work to repair someone else's or we cannot work to repair someone else until we ourselves has been restored. Can you imagine your relationship with God is not on track, but you're trying to help somebody get their relationship on track? That's the scripture that says first pull the, put the, pull, pull the beam out of your eye, right, before you can pull the speck out of your brother's eye. This does not imply that we are perfect, far from it. But how can we talk to others about peace if we are constantly living in turmoil, anxiety, and conflict? Church, we ought to ask ourselves as Christians, are we living in constant turmoil, anxiety, and conflict? Because if we are, we need the peace of God in our life. It is not God's will that any of his children live a life of turmoil and anxiety and conflict. That is not God's will. So as Christians, if we're experiencing those things, we have to ask ourselves, why? Why? And go surrender to God and ask him to help us to obtain peace. You allow God to be Lord of your life and you will experience peace. In your life. So many things came out of us uh, coming to this uh, address. And one of the biggest things that came out of it for me is when you really turn everything over to the Lord, not just in what you say. We say it all the time. Oh, I'm just trusting God. Yeah, but when you trust in God and you try to make your moves, you're not trusting God. I never forgot, and some of you remember this. I remember having meetings with the leadership of this church, and I remember them saying, Pastor, you know a few people around the United Pentecostal Church International. Why don't you reach out to them and, and see if they'll give us a good offering? I know you know a lot of people that, you know, they have influence and they probably can help us out. Reach out to them. And the Lord wouldn't let me do it. But that's how some of us felt, that we needed help. 
And I kept saying, because I know what I felt, I kept saying, God, if this is your business, you're going to have to take care of it. And so the time is coming. Bank want to know how much money you have for the closing, and we don't have enough money. And I'm hearing from us, we need to reach out to some people. Let's send the video out or let's put the video out. We're talking about all this stuff. And I'm kind of smiling a little bit like, okay. Because I knew this was God's business. It was not mine. I never claimed it. I never act one day. All leaders in this church know. I never act one day like I was the man getting something done. Y'all know. It was all on the strength of the Lord. So when we say that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will have peace. When we allow him to be Lord in our life, we will have peace. Because what we're saying is, it's not up to me, it's up to him. Whatever he tells me to do, I will do it, and the rest is up to him. That's God being Lord in your life. When you really come to that point to say, I'm going to do my part. Because that's essential. That's important. I'm going to do my part, but whatever else needs to be done, because it's his business, he will do it. How can you not have peace? How can you not have peace when you know he will do what he says he will do? As long as I submit to him, as long as he is Lord in my life, he will do what he says he will do. And that will give you peace. But you won't have peace if he's not Lord. Because when Jesus is not Lord in your life, you're going to try your best to maneuver. You're going to try your best to figure out a slick way or, or an ingenious way or a profound way according to your understanding to try to get something done. And, 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 and so that's what you're going to do. And when you do it and you realize it's not working, how can you have peace? You gave it your best shot and it's not happening. You can't have peace. But if from the very beginning you say, this is not about me, this is not my stuff, this is God's stuff, and so guess what? I'm going to let God have his way. When you're doing things that is dead smack according to the will of God, you can have peace when you let God's will be done in your life. Right? All you want to do is make sure you do your part. And so in marriage, let's just throw that out because we use that a lot. Marriage is a God thing. Marriage is not a man thing, and marriage is not a devil thing. Marriage is a God thing. And so you have challenges in your marriage, and there's struggles. You don't need to go try to make your spouse do what you think they should do so the marriage can be right. That's not of God. What you need to do is say, God, show me what I need to do, and I'll leave everything up to you. The marriage is about your glory. Marriage was created for your glory and for the righteousness and purity of man. And so, God, it's about you getting the glory from this marriage. So I'm going to do my part, and I'm sure you will do your part. I don't know what his part will be. I can't tell you what his part will be. But your part is your part, and you need to do your part. That's how you have peace in your marriage when there's challenges in your marriage. You do your part. God will do his part because God cares about marriages. But if you're trying to manipulate your spouse to get them to do what you want them to do, oh, you're going to have turmoil. You're going to have turmoil. 
When you're trying to manipulate your spouse, you will have turmoil. When you're trying to get them to do what you want them to do, you will have turmoil. But if you will do your part and do what's right, God will take care of the rest of it. And that can mean a lot of things. I'm not even going to get into what it can mean, Sister Cook. It can mean a lot of things. You don't know what God is going to do. But God is going to make sure you have peace. That's all I'm telling you. God is going to make sure you have peace because you're doing the right thing. You're making him Lord over your life. You're submitted to him. You're loving him. You're living according to his purpose and will for your life. And so when your spouse act like a fool, it won't bother you when you know you're doing your part. And you know you can't control your spouse because nobody can control them. Nobody should try to control anybody. We need to let God do his part with people. We just need to do our part and God will do his part. Let's not expect from people what we think they should give us. Just let God have his way in their life. Pray for them. Love them. But do your part. And you will experience peace in your life. The second thing that you need to do to experience peace, we should identify areas of agreement. Some people are antagonists. They just look for a way to antagonize. But if we will look for areas of agreement, it will really help us. If there are volatile issues that we know will bring conflict, we should avoid these hot buttons and rather seek topics where there is more agreement. When you're trying to have peace with your friends or family members, we're not talking about spouses, but it still go for spouses. You need to talk about things that you know you're in agreement with, topics that you know can be agreeable to. This is, again, why it's so important that we're equally yoked. Because if we might disagree with you like seafood and I like steak, we might disagree you like spinach, I like broccoli. We might disagree I like to sleep, you know, uh, with a little bit of clothes and you like to sleep with a lot of clothes. We can disagree with those things. But when we are both real Christians... We have to agree on the word of God. So we have something that we're agreeable, that we're in agreement with the word of God. This is why it's very important to be equally yoked. You need to be with somebody. You need to have fellowship and friends with people who love the Lord, know the word of God, because you will always have something that you are in agreement with because the word is the word. I was, I was, I was, I was talking, doing my Bible study earlier, and I was talking to uh, the brother that I did a Bible study with, and he says, Pastor, I got to ask you a question. I said, what's up? And so he showed me a booklet, I guess, um, some of the Baptist folks use for baptism. And so they have this, this, this booklet that have some scriptures in there that I guess they read before or while they're baptizing you. So the, the, the brother said, my dad got baptized this way the other day. Let me show it to you. And he showed me, he took a picture of the, 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 the information in the book, which was the scripture in Romans uh, chapter uh, 28, verse 18 through 20. So he showed it to me. 
I said, he says, yeah, man, it's, it's some booklet. I don't even think it's the Bible. I said, it's the Bible. I said, it's the Bible. He says, really? I said, it's the Bible. I said, turn your Bible to Romans 28, verse 18, and, um, and we'll read verse 18 through 20. So he did. I said, now, while you was reading that, after you got done reading that, did you see any action of anybody following that command? He said, what do you mean? I said, did anybody get baptized in Romans 28, verse 18 through 20? Did you see somebody get baptized? He said, no, nah, that was a command. I said, okay. So why are people getting baptized that way when it was a command and nobody got baptized after that command? I said, now turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. And so he turned. I said, start reading. He started reading. And he finished up um, um, verse 37. They were pricked in their heart and said unto them, and said unto them, um, said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I said, keep reading. And then he got to the scripture and the scripture that says, and when they heard this, they were all baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, about 3,000 souls were added to that. I said, now you read that. After the command, did anybody get baptized? He says, yes. I said, how did they get baptized? I said, he said, in Jesus' name. I said, so when you compare Romans 28, 18 through 20 and Acts chapter 2, 37 through 42, what did you get? He said, I saw action. You know, these are just, when you love the word God, it's just, I, I, I don't usually explain that like that. I got a lot of ways I can explain it. But tonight, because I was dealing with a babe in Christ, God just prompted me to just tell him, action. That was the key, action. So in, in, in Matthew, no action. In Acts, action. And so I closed it up by saying, so, my brother, nobody ever got baptized in the title the way your father got baptized in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Nobody ever did that. You, you can see for yourself because when you read it, nobody followed up by obeying it. I said, but when you read in Acts, they obeyed, they followed up, and they got baptized in Jesus' name. And so, eyes open. He marked, I said, you can write in your Bible, it's okay. And he wrote in his Bible, he says, yeah, I can't wait to go home and show it. I said, be careful. Pray for everybody before you do it. And do it with a kind and, and meek spirit. Don't go crazy and make people feel bad because we want them to listen to us. We don't want them to be mad at us. Because, of course, when you show people truth and it, and it trumps, remember, the scripture says tradition can be worse than sin. Did you know that? What do you mean by that, preacher? Tradition usually comes from elders that you respect. And that's how tradition gets started. So whether it's your great-grandfather, great-grandmother, or further back, traditions come from elders that you respect. And so whatever they say, you revere it because they're elders. And you don't question it because that's how we're raised. Respect your elders so you don't question it. But elders can tell you something that they never really understood. They're just carrying on what was told to them. 
And so tradition could be worse than sin because sin, you know when you messed up and when you need to go to God and ask for forgiveness. But tradition, you hold on to, to tradition like it's the scripture. And so that's why it becomes serious. Uh, tradition becomes serious and worse than sin because we're holding on to it because we feel like, man, you know who told me this? Please. They went to church all their life. They was in church all the time. So whatever they say, that's what I'm doing. And nobody is saying, is it the word of God? I'm just doing what they did. I'm just doing what they told me. And so we have to realize that the word of God is important and we can't just go by what we feel what the elders told us we have to make sure it's the word of God and so we can agree on the scriptures when we know it when we sat there and we we started we, we were talking he smiled he was so happy he was so happy like this is clear he said to me this is clear how are we messing this up? Why are so many people baptizing in the titles, fathers? How is that possible? This is a babe. Babe, babe, babe. That's just learning the word. It's like, and that's why I try to tell y'all all the time, let's go win souls. Because babes see the word so much different than people that's been in church all their life. Because unfortunately, many people that's been in church all their life, we read the scripture to fit or benefit our ideas that's in our mind. You hear me? Many seasoned Christians read the word of God for it to benefit the idea that is in their mind. Not according to what the scripture is saying, but let it benefit the idea that's in my mind. And so we don't read it from a pure place. We read it from a biased position. When you come to really know God, you don't, you don't have to be biased with the scripture. Because many times we're trying to be biased with the scripture because we always have a point that we're trying to prove. God don't need us to defend him. So if we read the scriptures from a purity standpoint that whatever it says, I know it's right. And so whatever it says, I just need to read it for what it's saying and follow it. But a lot of times we're reading the scripture just so it can fit our idea. When we have things in, in common, those are the things we need to talk about. This is why it's important. Wives, encourage your husband to be in church, study the word of God. Sometimes you got to say to your husband, wives, in a loving way, honey, can we do devotion and act like, you know, it's not a big thing. Don't make it like you're trying to be all hard because you're the guru and you know God more than your husband. No, just say, honey, can we do devotion? And he might not, you know, be, you know, confident. Just says, we just got to read the Bible and just talk about what we read. Did you know that's devotion? I don't know if y'all know that. Devotion is just bring the Bible out, right? And just, and just you know, get a, a passage of scripture that you read. And then talk about it. That's devotion. You ain't got to go deep. Eventually you will if you want to. But just get the Bible out and just read some passages of scriptures. And then we just go around the room and ask everybody, so what's your thoughts about those scriptures? But we have to make sure we're encouraging each other in the word because that's what we will have in common. And so while we will have different things that we disagree on, we don't want to deal with those things and make each other all upset and no peace. We want to deal with the things that we have in common. And the word of God, we all should have that in common. 
Occasionally, controversy is unavoidable. To be a peacemaker does not mean that we must appease everyone with a differing opinion. When it, when it is necessary to state a view that may stir conflict, remember the principle of that. Whenever you're going to say something that's going to go against what's being discussed, remember this. Speaking the truth in love. Always speak the truth in love. You know, honesty takes you a long way. And sometimes if we will just stop and be honest before we talk about what we want to talk about, I think we will have better discussions. So, for instance, if, if a family member of mine got baptized in the title of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and, you know, they should have got baptized in Jesus' name, I'm not just going to tell them, you didn't get baptized right. You know, that's how we do it. You didn't get baptized right because that's not how you're supposed to get baptized. I will start with, so why did you get baptized? You see what I'm saying? Because if you got baptized for the right reasons, we'll probably be able to discuss the truth without you getting all worked up. But if you got baptized for the wrong reasons, then I got to be careful how I break the truth to you. So if we're going to be honest and transparent, it's so good to have good, honest discussion, and we would go a long way. Wives, sometimes you're going to talk to your husband, just say, don't do the honey, I got to talk to you, because you know that sends up red flags. <laughs> just, just wait till you're just sitting around together. And out of left field, just ask something very casual. Don't go crazy. Don't press. Just be comfortable and ask something real casual. And that will open up the doors and you can keep talking and keep talking. We have to learn how to be honest. And, and, and the, best way, the best way to be honest with, with people and get through is you make sure you talk about your flaw before you about to address their flaw. You understand what I'm saying? So if, if, if you know that, okay, husband talk mean. He just talk hard and mean. Here you go. Honey, you know, I want to apologize for how I get a little crazy and emotional sometimes. I know I get a little emotional and sometimes I'm just all worked up and stuff. I'm, I'm working on that because I don't, I don't like that sometimes too. I don't like getting all emotional and worked up like that. I'm telling you. So I, I, I really want you to know that it's not something that I'm trying to do all the time. It just, it's just part of who I am, and I've done it for so long that I, I just do it. But I really believe one day I'm going to be able to not get so worked up and emotional. You know what I'm saying? And then you can get into the other day. Remember when uh, we were talking about blah, 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 and you said blah, blah, blah? That was just, I felt like you stabbed me. I felt like it was a stab. That hurt so bad. You'll get further with that than how you've been doing it. I don't know how you've been doing it, but I've been living long enough to know that you've been doing it a way that probably becomes a little difficult for the man to respond in a good way. And so it's very important that we make ourselves transparent when we're going to have hard conversations. 
But when you're going to have hard conversations, people can't help themselves. They're always going to be ready to protect themselves, to defend themselves. It's just the way it is. You do that, and we all do it. That when we feel like we get attacked, the first response is, I got to defend. Don't attack me. And whether it's an attack or not, if we feel like we're being attacked, we're going to defend ourselves. And that's why the best way to talk to somebody is by lowering your guard, is by making yourself transparent. So when you come at them, guess what? They don't have a choice but to fall right into where you started about talking about your flaw because now it's easy for them to say, you're right. I, I, you you kind of, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I just got crazy the other day. You see that? Now we can have good conversations because we, we're just on good level playing field because we both just stated our flaws. We both realized that we do things that we need to be better at. And so now we can have better conversations. But your tone of voice and how you approach the subject is everything. Everything. I don't know why I'm dealing with relationships so much. Third. We must choose to love rather than to win. If you're trying to keep peace, if you're trying to make peace, you must choose to love rather than to win. We like to win conversation discussions. We like to have the last word. We like to feel like our point was more valid than the other person's point. And so... We have that in the back of our mind or it's just part of what we do as people. We're just automatically going to try to make sure when this conversation is over, I would have had the upper hand. Those who are highly competitive may find it very difficult to concede an argument. Ladies, be careful. Because ladies got to get the last word in. And you know how the last word goes sometimes? Yeah, that's just crazy to me. That's just crazy. They walking away. That's just crazy to me. I don't even know. And they walking away. Dude can't even respond no more because she walking away. <laughs> because you got to get the last word in. So your last word is you walk away and say something. It ain't worth it. All it's doing is add more tension. So you 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 don't have to win. The, the, the argument. <laughs> Those who are highly competitive may find it difficult to concede an argument. However, there are some things for which it is just not worth fighting for. Pastor Nelly used to say back in the day when he gave you marriage counseling, you must choose your battles. Some battles, you need to leave them alone. It ain't worth it to win that battle. It ain't worth it to fight that battle. Choose your battles. Other issues may be so important that they become a hill worth dying on. In your relationship, except for the word of God, there is no hill worth dying on. Find a common place to agree on. Because to hold your viewpoint so strongly that you're not getting off it, that ruins relationship. That causes fight and no peace. But we must choose that hill carefully and be sure it's a hill that God is on. 
So when you're choosing what hill you're going to die on, make sure that hill is the hill that God is on. That's the hill you want to die on. Word of God. That's the hill you want to die on. Choose to love. Winning is not the ultimate acclaim. We are commanded to love one another, not compete to win against each other. Peacemakers live to be reconciled with God and with one another. Peacemakers don't always demand their right. Sometimes peacemakers overlook an offense in order to bring peace. Peacemakers use social media to share good news, not to air dirty laundry. Peacemakers live to be at peace with the ones nearest and dearest to them. Husbands, wives, moms, dads, one of the greatest gifts you will ever give your children is to be at peace with each other and cultivate a home of peace. Sometimes times are tough, but you have to do all you can to make peace in your home. We have no clue how strife and turmoil in the home mess with children as they grow up. But it does. We have to cultivate a home that's peaceful. Because our children will suffer if we're always at odds with one another. If there's turmoil, if there's strife. And sometimes you can not talk, but you can feel it. So it's important to talk together and work it out because we want our children to grow up in the best environment that they can grow up in. And that requires peace. Peacemakers have a promise. Yes, they do. (laughs) Tom Brady, you're right. There is something more than just more Super Bowl rings and more money. There is peace. Uh huh. Peace, as I said before, is precious. And peace comes with a promise. Peacemakers shall be called the sons of God. We become more like the Lord Jesus when we make peace with him and live at peace with others. People around us will start to see Christ in us and recognize he is our father and we are his children. When we are, when you and me have the peace of the Lord, we will hear his voice clearly. Many of us are not hearing from God Because turmoil is on the inside. Turmoil. Let me finish up here by giving you the final beatitude. Beatitude number eight. It says in Matthew 5 and 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The final beatitude says, blessed are the persecuted. Check this out. Check this out. We have to have peace in order to endure persecution when it comes. The Lord don't slip, church. 
It's the reason why he has those Beatitudes lined up just the way, the same sequence. The sequence he has it in, it's not an accident. It's intentional. And so here he comes about, blessed are the persecuted. But before it, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Because in order to deal with persecution the right way, you got to have peace. I'm doing this for the Lord, so you know what? Do whatever you want. I'm cool because I'm doing this for the Lord. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus didn't promise deliverance or exemption from persecution. He promised persecution. Welcome to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Persecution will come. Jesus promised heaven to those who have been born again and faithfully follow him, even to the point of persecution. Let me help you because, you know, we get all, you know, scared in America because, you know, everything is so different in America than it is in a lot of foreign countries and even third world countries because, you know, America, we got a lot of peace. You know, this is why we have, you know, our great men and women that's defending our country and keeping us, and so, you know, we, we, we deal with a lot of, you know, things are good for us. But some countries, they understand what war and turmoil is. But check this out. One Pentecostal preacher asked a man who threatened to shoot him for preaching the gospel. The preacher the, 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 the man who threatened him says, I'm going to shoot you. And the preacher responded by saying, how can you threaten me with heaven? When you have peace with God and you're living right with God and somebody hold a gun to your head or they want to kill you, you ought to smile and says, you're not threatening me. You're just making my life better. Because it's better to be with the Lord than to be here dealing with all of the society. But we still have a hard time seeing it that way. We, we get worried and nervous. For some reason, we're trying to hold on to this life more than anything else. When in actuality, the life to come is so much better than this one. I hope we never have to choose. But if you do... Choose Jesus. If you have to choose between friends and faith, let's choose faith. If you have to choose between our job and our faith, let's choose our faith. If we have to choose between family and our faith, let's choose faith. Jesus chose us. Let's choose Jesus. When we become peacemakers... We will embrace persecution for his sake. And so I close. We must reject critical attitudes and pursue peace. Encouraging one another is important. That's what we ought to do. Encourage one another, not be critical of one another. Because the truth is, Everybody can be critical of somebody because there's no perfect human walking around. So we can all criticize each other because everybody got something that's wrong. 
So why even point out and be critical? How about we try to, again, find things that we agree on in common? How about we try to encourage one another? Paul wrote in Romans 14 and 19 in the uh, New King James Version, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Strife and division are works of the flesh. Sowing discord among the brethren is one of the things that the Lord hates. We are commanded to follow after the things that make for peace. In doing this, we manifest the divine nature of the Lord as children of him who is the God of peace. Peacemakers are blessed, and peacemakers are the children of God. Let's stand. Seven weeks, beatitude. If we will have recorded 10% of what's been shared and go back and review our notes, recite them, apply them, we would have grown in those seven weeks. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for bringing us into the house of the Lord safely. For our congregation online, we thank you for them, Lord. And Father, for every word that's been spoken here, according to your will, let it go into our hearts, Lord. Let it go into our soul and our spirit, Lord. Let it grow and produce good fruit. Let it move us, almighty God, to action. That we're not just hearers of your word. That we just don't have intellectual knowledge of your word. But Lord, that the word of God will grow and just move us to action. Your word will become a part of us. That Lord, we will resemble you in our character, in our deeds. That we will resemble you in every manner and every aspect of our life. Father, we've heard your word. And now we ask, Almighty God, that you will help us to go forward and apply it each and every day. That we will grow from it. And that, Lord, we can be great representatives of heaven. We thank you, Lord, for taking us through the scriptures this past seven weeks, Lord God. Now, Lord, we pray and ask that you will bless us as a church, bless us as individuals, strengthen us, Lord God, and help us to continue to seek after you. We pray, Almighty God, that as we go from this place tonight, your hand will be upon us. The power of your spirit will constrain us, and the will of God will be done in our lives. We're so grateful, Lord, for your goodness, for your peace, for your joy, for your comfort, Lord God. We're so grateful, Almighty God, for your many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. And, Lord, we will not fail to continue to give you the praise, to give you all of the honor and all of the glory, for you deserve it all. And, oh, God, we ask you to hear our cry and our prayers, our petitions that we have made known unto you, for we ask these things. In Jesus' name, somebody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great rest of your evening. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for joining us online. Have a great rest of your evening.